Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. Halloween is almost upon us and so it is time for the second horrific video game movie that we are tackling this month and this month we are tackling the movie which kick-started a franchise well film franchise I suppose um, based on the popular series of video games known throughout the world as Resident Evil. Resident Evil. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Resident Evil. Yes, so Biohazard's the Japanese title of the games and the films, and I think increasingly so with the games, and almost instantly with this movie version at least, the Resident Evil, the Resident part, falls by the wayside mm. rapidly, and it's, it's kind more of a- about biohazards. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of a play on words, isn't it? It's kind of, it is a clever title, Resident Evil. Is it? I don't know. I, don't, I guess in my head. <laughs> it sounds good, but I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> How long has this episode gone for so far? Because I think I've already had a bit of a mental break. Uh, maybe a minute. Yeah, so in my head it sounded like a clever pun title because uh, because residence is, is in residence of a house. Yeah, and resident, I guess, in something... Contained within. Yeah. But you're right, Biohazard works better. Yeah. But we all know it as Resident Evil. And that's how we're going to address it. Mm. And um, both Rory and I have got quite a long history with these games. With so many video game movies now, and based on so many video games, we can't have played them all. But we were pretty much with the Resident Evil games right near the start. Um, Yeah. And Rory especially, I would say, is our Resident Evil expert. Yeah, so this episode has been a long time coming, and we've sort of held it off for a little while, but if we're going to make any headway with video game movies, we do have to tackle Resident Evil, because it just comprises with the six live-action movies, plus three, I think, CG movies, and all kinds of other spin-off material, that a good bulk of what we're going to be talking about in future episodes will be Resident Evil related. So it makes sense to start it now, and having done Alone in the Dark in the previous episodes, this is a survival horror double bill, Mm. and it will also be our first episode looking at a Paul W.S. Anderson movie, directing this one, writing and producing all of them, and finding gainful employment for his missus. Yeah. Well, that's that's the story, is that they met while making this movie. Not only that, continuing that relationship with video games, with Capcom video games, and by casting his wife in movies, mm. um, with the Monster Hunter movie, which is starting filming at this, at this moment. Yeah. So we'll be tackling a lot of Resident Evil, a lot of Paul W.S. Anderson, and it makes sense to start that now. But A lot of slow-motion bullets coming out of guns <laughs> with the umbrella logo on the back, flying through the air before it hits a zombie in the f- any part of the body. <laughs> yeah. But, um, now, the thing is, though, 
the Resident Evil films may have ruined the games. <laughs> An interesting relationship. Yes, there's definitely a little bit of toing and froing between them. And the thing is, we're going to have a lot of episodes talking about Resident Evil, so we're not going to spend too much time going over where the, the fran- yeah exactly where the franchises intertwined and their relationship going forward because there'll be plenty of time <laughs> to discuss all that so we're going to focus a little bit in this episode on Resident Evil Origins our own relationships um with the game series and what we were like coming to this film when we saw it, because this is one of those video game movies which we have both seen. We both saw it at the cinema. I think we have seen it quite a few times since. I think it's probably best to start off a little bit in terms of where we are coming to this film um, in relation to the games. I came to the Resident Evil games maybe from the second one onwards properly, but you you there at the first... You, you, we didn't have a PlayStation as kids, but you had a mate who did. Yeah, so I remember first hearing about Resident Evil from my friend Dominic. He had a PlayStation and he was my PlayStation resource, mm-hmm. I suppose. And he talked about this game and there were zombies and we were both... You and I, zombie fans. Yeah, we I liked think. zombies before they were cool. Yeah, we really liked Dawn of the Dead. Yes, um, I think that's definitely one of my favourite ever movies. It's in my top five movies. Mm. And we probably saw it when we were far too young. Yes, we were not quite eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know the idea of a game with zombies and things piqued my interest. But I had an impression. I, I can't remember the first thing I heard about it when he was describing it. I he said it was sent to, set in a mansion, and I kept on thinking it was like a castle and maybe it was a medieval game or something. Okay. And you were sort of a knight and you were slaying zombies. <laughs> but that was just what I imagined it to be. Yeah. When I finally were you um, disappointed? No, no. <laughs> I I enjoyed it for what it is. But yes, I remember playing it um, with him at the time and just thinking it was incredible Mm. and amazing. And yeah, just got completely sucked into the game and the world and just found it really, you know, scary and entertaining. And it just hit lots of buttons. And this was one of the, you know, first like 3D games I played, one of the first mature as you mm. say, uh, sort of titles with, you know, stairs and gore and creepy mm. atmosphere and, yeah, zombies. I mean, I don't remember being zombies featuring that much in video games. There was that video game Zombies, I believe. Or oh, no, Zombies Ate My Neighbours? Yeah, I think it's got different yeah. titles, but yeah. Yeah, there's, so there's definitely were zombie games out there, but I think this, there's a, there's a few things in the air which just kick-started the zombie wave which never really has gone away i mean i think it was that classic case where people who watched dawn of the dead and things when they were a kid got in were were now video game developers and they would make games based on what they loved so as i said i didn't really play the first game i i very much enjoyed the second though i always found the controls a proper barrier to me i always got very frustrated when my you know, gun shooting animation was slower than the zombie <laughs> moving, and mm. and that's definitely you know part of the the skill of the game. It's part part of the 
the gameplay yeah, is the fact that choosing you, your moments. Yeah, the fact that you have to sort of turn around in a circle completely mm. if you want to run away. But and You could such. only ever shoot ver- ver- like forward or vertically down or vertically up, and I found mm. that incredibly frustrating. So I, I properly fell in love with the um, Resident Evil 4, and that's pretty much a masterpiece. That was being probably one of my top five games. Yeah. And that crucially has free moving um firing in it but also it started becoming more action orientated than that was also one of the first games post the movies too yes yes um, the influence of the film started to filter in the first game made a big impression on me but i'd never really sat down to properly play it all the way through myself uh, upon its release I kind of went back to it a little bit later, playing it through the GameCube remake, which came out roughly the same time as the movie, there thereabouts. Mm. Played the the DS version, Resident Evil Deadly Silence, mm. which was again the Resident Evil iteration. The thing is with Capcom, who make the games, they will re and release these Resident Evil games on pretty much every single format and just keep remaking and re-releasing them. It's their most successful franchise, you know. Beats more out, than Street Fighter? Yeah, more than Street Fighter. It's made okay. more, sold more copies than um, all the Street Fighter games combined, even though it hasn't been going on for quite as long. You enjoyed Resident Evil 4 and because they reinvented the franchise and they've sort of done that again with Resident Evil 7 recently mm. as well. And they've got this Resident Evil 2 video game remake uh, coming out uh, in January. One thing I've noticed you not mention is how you ran a Resident Evil website for a time on the old... Was it GeoCities? Um, yes. So my love for Resident Evil and the Resident Evil games, it's it's definitely... If I had to pick a video game franchise, that's definitely the big one for me. There's other games, other favourite titles i like individual titles but resident evil is the one where i've done as much as possible to absorb you Mm. know the paraphernalia and the materials surrounding the games and get very stuck into not so much the plot and characters Mm. i mean i enjoy it but i'm not fascinated by it you've got that umbrella tattoo on your face Um, in case you, you know. I, I would say that <laughs> no, I, no, it doesn't I, really. No, I, no, no, no. <laughs> I would say that I still watching the the film now. I still get a little thrill just seeing the umbrella logo in a oh, movie. Oh yeah, I think that just that being everywhere properly sells it as yeah. an evil movie. And I think that was like just like a sort of frisson I get when mm. I and when I see that. But yes, I did. I think it was at school we had to start learning HTML and IT and I decided, you know, you had to do a website and I decided I'll make it Resident Evil themed. And because we were very Nintendo heavy household, I was like, okay, I'll just do Resident Evil games on Nintendo platforms. Which was two games. When <laughs> which you started. was, yeah, which was two games. And I was like, uh, after a while, maybe I should shut down this blog. But then it just so happened that Capcom suddenly announced oh, we're going to release new Resident Evil games, including this Resident Evil remake, and it's going to be exclusive to Nintendo consoles. And I was like, finally! (laughs) Finally, there'll be stuff to talk about. So I was making this website and updating it while the Resident Evil movie was in development, and so I was very much following every development and every piece of material Mm -hmm. I could get my hands on. So, you know, when we're talking about 
big video game movies, Resident Evil is definitely a big one, not just because of the legacy and its success with the sequels afterwards, but it was a big deal, at least for me, at the time. But yeah, so the landscape at the time was Resident Evil, the games had been going on since 1996, this film came out in 2002, There'd been quite a few instalments since it was it was a they were popular. Churning them out a little bit, weren't they? Yeah, there was definitely like a few main titles. I've played most of the main titles. I've played a few of the spin-offs. Um, What's your favourite Resident Evil game? I would say I think Resident Evil Four is the best one. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil Two is maybe um, special second place. place. Yeah, heart. that's not a special place because that was the one I really. That was the one I properly played through lots of times and um, just gotten stuck into because of the atmosphere and the setting and, and everything. Um, but Resident Evil 7 I also uh, recently really enjoyed. So mm. I'd say those were my kind of top three. So effectively I was the target audience for this movie. And so this was kind of the first out the gate when it came to the... I don't know, zombie renaissance. Zombies nowadays feel like really overdone. That's not to say you can't have good zombie movies nowadays, but I think a lot of people can make zombie films quite easy. You just need a bit of blue makeup and a few mates to stagger around. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, there's the Walking Dead TV show based on the awesome comics, or they used to be awesome. <laughs> There's still interesting zombie films yeah, yeah. being so, made. So, just, Like know. anything, you just need to have a good good take on them. But yeah, we, we're trying to think of any big zombie movie before Resident Evil. Mainstream zombie movie, I suppose. And I think this might have been one, one of the first. Yeah, because so 28 Days Later came out the same year, but a little bit later into the year. So this was the first one to... They're not really zombies, though. Yeah, they're, well, they're, well they're you infected. know. Yeah. <laughs> they're zombies, Danny. This, yeah, Resident Evil got there a little bit first, and then it you know it took a couple of years before the Dawn of the Dead remake uh, and Shaun of the Dead came out, and then kind of since that point it's been zombie zombie zombies and in, mm. in movies and popular culture and books and yeah. comics tv so you know we're it's still going strong the zombie the zombie age <laughs> zombie age <laughs> the age of the zombies the thing is with this film as i was monitoring its production intently <laughs> for mm. um you know being an, uh, a resident evil fan was the slow realisation that there wasn't really much to do with the original game. No. So the, the main character in this film is uh, Mia Jovovich, a.k.a. Uh, a lady called Alice. And it's funny how she's never cropped up in the video games. They've the, the, the video games since these films have become more action-packed. But I, you, I could imagine Alice just cropping up at some point as a bit of a... Something for the fans, but she she never has. Yeah, so the the games and the films would eventually start to feed off each other, and but I remember when it was becoming clear that none of the original characters from the games were going to appear. None of the um, you know, the setting was very different. The way everything looked was going to be quite different. I started to really resent its existence. Oh. So, the production of this film, I mean, maybe we should just flag up spoilers. Oh, yeah. For Resident Evil games yeah. and... The mystery movie. in the hive turned out to be zombies. Yeah, turns out zombies. <laughs> um, so, 
the development of the film talking about zombie cinema the granddaddy of mm. of the zombie the genre creator of the modern zombie creator of the modern, of the flesh, modern zombie flesh eating zombie is is george a romero mm-hmm. who um yeah directed night of the living dead and dawn of the dead as as we mentioned as one of our favorites mm-hmm. he also directed some commercials i think to promote resin evil 2 Yes. And I remember being so excited, just like he, George A. Romero ended up making a whole more, whole other bunch of zombie movies before he, before he sadly passed away. So we were kind of spoilt for more George A. Romero zombie movies. But I just remember 30 seconds of a George A. Romero zombie movie, even though it happened to be an advert, it was so exciting. Yeah, well, the commercial was, uh, it was only for Japan, mm. but I think we probably saw it like online an or early, like or early internet video which took like maybe an hour to download yeah. 30 seconds but it just looked like resident evil and mm. it was just yeah amazing to see him back in that field because it had been i guess 13 years or so mm. since um day of the dead and, and um, um, we, we brought him up because he was a approached to work on the film Resident Evil, which is a very exciting prospect as well. Yeah, I mean, based on his work on this commercial, it was, I think, Capcom and enlisted him to develop a, a script. But I, I happen to actually download and read a bit of his script. I'm, okay. sure, I'm sure I've done it, I did it years ago, but I decided to take a brief look at it in advance of this podcast. And while it certainly has characters from the games which is a major plus i don't think we missed out on the lost romero masterpiece i i it wasn't terribly great it mm. seemed um so um at the time of course i was very sad when he eventually did not make the resident evil movie it seemed actually baffling and the reason capcom or or, or gave was that it just didn't pass muster but i think maybe capcom were right yeah, adapting the source material. As I said, I was pretty resentful that as much as I enjoyed Mortal Kombat at the time, but we'll talk about that on another episode, and so I wasn't necessarily down with Paul Anderson directing, and also there was Event Horizon, mm. um, which I remember finding disgusting and freaky. So it's like, oh, well, you know, they've done horror too, so I guess they know what they're doing. But I think... As the series of games went on, I think I have grown to appreciate the fact that the first film is not an adaptation of the games. Because I think as the film franchise goes on, the sequels introduce more characters from the games and more scenarios from the games. And I sort of feel like that distracts. Mm. And yes, I appreciated that this was... I, I I didn't at the time, because I was like, well, where's the tyrant? Well, yeah. where's this? Where's that? You know, and it doesn't feel like Resident Evil. But now I appreciate it more because it is telling a different story within that world. And I feel like it would be hamstrung by obvious fan service, which is, I think, what happens later on in the series, yes. as opposed to just subtler visual cues and references yeah they they end up looking like they're cosplayers yeah. later on yeah um but yeah again as you mentioned when you see the umbrella logo 
you get all excited and then somebody drops the line, I want him for the Nemesis program. Yeah. And you're like, ooh! ooh. And, and, you know, skipping ahead to the end. The end was everything I wanted from a Resident Evil movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one mainstay of the franchise appears to be they like to paint themselves into amazing cliffhangers slash corners and then they absolutely ignore the cliffhangers in the very next bit. I haven't even mentioned the fact that the last time I watched this film was at the start of a binge where I watched all the movies in one day. Madness. And then went to see the final one in the cinema. And Rory joined me for that final film. And I had this sort of haggard, manic... (laughs) Sort of, I was like shrieking with laughter in the cinema at certain points yeah. of the final film. So yeah, not not to be recommended, but you know that was the last time I watched this film. Yeah, so you saw this a bit more recently than I did because it's been mm. a while since I revisited it, and I'm I dug out my DVD because as much as at the time I wasn't a fan of the film, it's like well, it's Resident Evil. So, I've got to. So you weren't a fan when you saw it at the cinema? No. Oh, that's interesting. I, I can't remember. I thought it was all right for. An action movie, hmm. but we'll—I guess—we'll get into the adaptation. We'll see whether moment. we've we've reassessed it. But I—I I remember, even though you know, I bought the DVD and I poured over all the contents and I watched all the featurettes and I listened to the commentary. And I would recommend a listen to the commentary because it's mainly them being quite frank and taking the piss out of each other. Mila Jovovich does a very good uh, impression of the Red Queen in the end credits. She says, <laughs> are you all going to die down here? And all this kind of uh, stuff. And, um, and well, Speaking of impressions then, I see you holding the DVD box for Resident Evil. Uh, earlier on, before we were recording, you did an amazing impression of Colin Salmon's American accent. Colin Salmon playing the leader of the SWAT team. What's his character called? One. Good. Um, <laughs> so I would like you to read the, the plot of Resident Evil, the DVD box of Resident Evil, in Colin Salmon's American voice. There's so much text. Well, yeah. <laughs> Go okay. for it, Colin. A secret experiment. A deadly virus. A fatal mistake. Based on the wildly popular video game series, Resident Evil is an action-packed thriller starring Mila Jovovich as Alice, the fifth element. Michelle Rodriguez as Rain, the Fast and the Furious, and James Purefoy, a knight's tale, in a battle of good and evil, human versus computer, the living against the undead. <laughs> Do you want me to carry on like that? Uh, you, can, you can speak normally okay. now if you like. I like that, how... that, that reminded me of basically dialogue from Resident Evil, though, <laughs> your, your delivery. James Purefoy doesn't get a character name because I couldn't work out what his character name was until much later on in the film when suddenly someone said it. But then they I guess he's trying to they... work out who he is yeah, as well. Yeah, they all have so... amnesia. Yeah, amnesia. Something terrible is lurking in the Hive, a vast underground genetic research facility run by the Umbrella Corporation, a faceless bioengineering conglomerate. A deadly viral outbreak occurs, and in response, the Red Queen, a vast supercomputer that controls and monitors the Hive, seals the entire facility to contain the leak, killing all the trapped employees. Did they use the word vast twice there? Did they? Yes, they did. Double vast. Double vast. It's vast about vast use of the word vast. For something so big, it's quite a small word. <laughs> Alice and Rain must lead fellow commandos to isolate the virus that has wiped out Umbrella's entire research staff. Alice and Rain must lead commandos. Mm. I guess for brevity of plot, they must do that on the back of the box. The team soon discovers, however, that the workers are not 
really, dead. They are now the ravenous zombie-like undead. They're zombies. <laughs> zombie-like. They're like zombie-like zombies. And they are prowling the hive. One bite or scratch from an undead causes infection and worse, instant transformation into their kind. Well, it's not really instant because no, one of the characters time. gets bitten repeatedly and takes them a yeah. while. Do you think this person watched the film? <laughs> I think they did, but then they probably mm. weren't taking notes. Yeah, they just had... remembered it, or they watched the trailer. They went over their word count a bit, so they had to make a compromise. Deep underground, in a top secret research lab, security has been breached. A deadly virus capable of contaminating the entire world has been released. Oh my god. We have to get out of this building. Who is that? It's the brakes! It's okay, we're here to help. Now, an elite team has been sent in to stop it. Five hours ago, Red Queen went homicidal. Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. The corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. But they have only three hours left before it begins infecting and mutating the whole human race. Everyone stay calm. No one is immune. Resident Evil. You're all going to die down here. This film, as as I mentioned earlier, is very much an action movie. I can't help but do... I know George A. Romero's script wasn't super great, but there is a part of me which wonders we, we could be an alternative universe where the sense of dread which mm. permeates the Resident Evil games was present and correct in this film. I, I don't think there's any point where you're like in an oh shit moment. I, even when someone's being chased by zombie dogs. I think though still this film out of the sits uh, Resident Evil movies is the closest to a horror film. Mm. I mean, even though this is more action oriented and there's more shooting and kicking and that kind of stuff. I think it does get creepy in places. I think there is tension. I don't think you have to have blood to make anything scary, but I, I just feel like the, the the threat and the dread and the fear of, oh God, what's going to happen to me isn't really there. And, and I feel like there is a harder version of this movie out there because some of the editing in this film is a bit choppy mm. and it is a bit sped up, slow down. I think particularly there's some stuff in the laser corridor sequence where it mm. sort of feels like some nastier stuff has been slightly removed. I mean, that's still probably the nastiest stuff in the film, but I feel like some of that has been slightly blurred or altered to to soften that. But I think also the, uh, the zombies are peculiarly bloodless themselves. Mm. When they're first introduced, there's a few money shots of CGI-enhanced zombies with yeah. half a face missing. It's meant to have been only a few hours mm. since they turned, so I'm, I, I'm not expecting 
kind of rotting zombies. But but yeah, that one person is like completely ripped to shreds at one point. There's the classic bit where a soldier, where somebody is completely surrounded by zombies, and you see their hands shaking, mm. and, and you know. Shaun of the Dead was gorier when somebody yeah. gets ripped apart in that, and then it's the same rating. So the zombie reveal in the first Resident Evil game is kind of a classic Iconic. moment, mm. and it's disturbing and weird and horrifying and bloody. And here it's just a little bit like some snarling person just going. Mm. Well, it's not the zombies aren't very scary. There's lots of them, but they're just like. I don't know. Not very interesting. We touched on this on House of the Dead, where we kind of rated zombie acting. And, things. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing about Dawn of the Dead is that if you're being completely truthful, it's got some of the fakest zombie makeup ever. And, you know, I'm a massive fan of the makeup artist of that film, Tom Savini. The point I'm trying to make is that it's the performances of these of the zombies in Dawn of the Dead which sell it. They all just look completely dead-eyed and mm. and just completely brainless and they just it's the fact that they're just slowly walking towards you i mean i did appreciate this film has slow zombies and not running zombies when i see zombies snarling yeah and and yeah growling i don't i don't see uh, a zombie i see an actor pretending it, to be a zombie a zombie shouldn't be angry no and I feel like in this like, film, all the zombies are... Vulcans. Yeah, all the zombies in this film are angry. Mm. When they should be either, like, dead-eyed or, like, hungry. Uh, now, before these uh, zombies become zombies, we're actually introduced to a, a bunch of them as living, breathing people. Harry, where do zombies come from? <laughs> well, when <laughs> a dead person and a human love each other very much. <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> um... The opening shot of this film, I find, is really, um, really nice because we see a tiny little square in the centre of the screen as we approach it, and it's black all around the square. And we keep going, we keep going, we keep going, and the music kicks in. And the music in this film, I think, is really is a strong uh, point of it as well. The main theme, I think, is is definitely very. Not catchy, but you know, it really kind of gets. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of pulsing. Um, it's it gives momentum. But the camera is approaching what turns out to be a sort of a sealed part of a lab where somebody is transferring T virus, and we late and we later discover T uh, virus remedy into a suitcase. But I should say that the music is by composer Marco Beltrami and also the shock master himself. I don't know how he calls himself. Shock master. Your parents' least favourite man in the the world. The master of shocks. Yes, I don't know. Marilyn Manson. Ooh, Mm. isn't he crazy? But yeah, so Marilyn Manson, what what does he do in the film? Is, Is there like a credits music or something? Well, they composed the score together. Okay. That's a good score. And, and part of the score, it says some supplementary soundscapes uh, oh. by Junkie Itzel, who also, mm. you know, did the music for DOA, Dead oh, or yeah. Alive, as mm-hmm. well as Mad Matt's Fury Road. Sure. So it's got that sort of industrial sound. It's a mix of like chugging guitars, but apparently all the guitars were synthetic anyway. So it was computer created, but still had like electric guitar elements and industrial elements and just... John Carpenter-esque 
synthy weirdness too. This the T virus designed a little glass vials which are interlinked. I think that's a neat design. I yeah, think. having that spiral, it's like a it emphasizes DNA yeah. with this sort of helixy mm. kind of spiral structure. The guy putting the virus into the suitcase, he closes the suitcase and he chucks the virus, one of his vials, at a table and scarpers while all the other workers in the facility, who he seemed like average office workers. Yeah, just um, general drones um, plus, like, you know, there's office staff and there's, like, researchers and scientists and People too. spilling their coffee and things. I mean, actually, it's important to note there's a opening text... And this is our second film in a row where there's some opening text setting the scene, which is also narrated because apparently video game movie officers can't read. But the text does emphasise that the majority of Umbrella employees do not know about the bioweapons division. At the end of the day, the these workers seem like your nice average people who get some... Oh, here we go. Some... I don't know. <laughs> Who get fucking murdered by in a variety of different ways, which I, is quite entertaining. They're nice average people played by not very good actors. I don't know. <laughs> I found them kind of endearing. Um, and I think it's a rare zombie movie where we, you know, we get to know the characters before we become zombies. I, I, that's not entirely true because obviously the big point of any zombie movie yeah. is like, Mom? <laughs> but no, it's it's it's. I guess it's nice to see... Zombies you recognise later. Yeah, you get to see some familiar faces just like hanging off their skulls. <laughs> <laughs> that's a gross image. <laughs> I'd like to see a zombie film where the zombie's face is all like sagging off. <laughs> Floppy skulls. I'm not, I'm not sure I would. That's horrible. <laughs> um, yeah. Now I I get that point. And even in the Resident Evil games, the the origins of a, of certain outbreaks are a little bit fuzzy on the details. And you kind of show up at the mansion with zombies already there. You don't really see like all the zombies being unleashed or everyone getting infected. So mm. I guess this is this kind of adds a little interesting setup. So the reason why these zombie why why the they're all being gassed and killed is, is really just containment. We see all these graphics saying, you know, biohazard breach, blah de blah de blah And, you know, sk- skipping ahead a bit, we discover this is all part of the AI running the facility, the Red Queen. Yeah. Uh, it's, her, it's her efforts to um, stop the virus. And there's a part of me thinking, why is it choosing so many different ways to kill people? Can't it just send gas everywhere? <laughs> yeah, just, they, just the Red Queen activates the sprinkler system and it's like... Could sprinklers flood a lab so... Well, these ones clearly can. ...quickly? I mean, that's a lot... I mean, they're already kind of, like, wading through it within a few minutes. Mm. It seems like very intense sprinkler. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be many flammable materials in that lab either. It's all, like, metal and steel and uh, glass. So, um... We we are told this is a, a vast underground facility underneath a major metropolitan area... How do you think you can secretly make an underground base underneath a city? Did the to dig a massive hole <laughs> underneath, let's say, London or New York, whatever? TFL. <laughs> well, maybe. Export for London. Yeah, T virus. Well, FL. Yeah, I mean, I think the games and the f- films, to an extent, sort of go into a little bit of how Raccoon City, which is the setting of the, of the kind of games and 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 such, is in the pocket of Umbrella. So mm. it's pretty much this big corporation. Oh, ask as, no questions. Yeah, exactly. Paying off all the local bureaucrats, and I guess paying all the raccoons. 
paying off all the, maybe it's the raccoons who had dug this huge tunnel it's a network of and then, sinister raccoons at the top of the whole city spoilers for the final movie that's not what happens <laughs> so it's nasty this opening it's, it's it sells the terror all yeah. these people there's a I think another a follow up graphic as they're dying where it just says like life signs going down to zero and that's really troubling and I think what's the the thing is is that you have all these shots of this security camera and and what it's seen and it's it's like these dispassionate mm. cold shots of just this unblinking security camera eye and what it's seeing with these fits camera angles is very much like the games. Mm. I guess the sort of key moment in in the sequence is the lift. Where, um, I like a good lift sequence. Yeah, like fi- Final Destination Two. Have you seen that one? Yep, yep. Someone gets hurt in a lift, hurt to death. Yeah. <laughs> and, Did you, um, you you saw the lift as well? The early Naomi Watts. No, I've not seen that one. It's about killer lift though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it was a remake by the same director of The Lift, which is a Dutch horror movie about mm. a killer elevator. There's and the uh, Exorcist Two. No, um, not Exorcist Two. Omen, Omen two. two. Someone gets cut in half. Yeah. Um, and there's that. Is it Devil? Where everyone's in a lift. Yeah. And Speed. Speed. Yeah. That starts. Why aren't off. we doing a podcast called Lifts on Film? Because <laughs> um, you know, there's 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 five films we've named there. Yeah. But like I said, it's you know put a bit of a button on this this sequence. It did seem a bit strange to me that this red queen clearly was doing the lift stuff for shits and giggles because um, <laughs> just toying with them yeah one person one lift goes down everyone's screaming and then this second lift one lady sticks her head out and the lift falls and she almost gets decapitated that way and then the lift goes the other way and the, and the red queen is clearly fucking with her yeah but it's it's probably the tensest Oh yeah, moment in the film. I mean, it's a good way to kick off proceedings. I think, I think everyone who's ever left a lift. Have you ever used a lift in your whole life, Rory? Yes. In fact, I was in one just yesterday. Oh my god, how how was it? Petrifying. <laughs> I think anyone who's ever left a lift always thinks, "What if the doors get me? Or mm. is that just me?" <laughs> well, Dawn of the Dead has a good lift sequence as well. Oh yeah. Ah, but this ain't Dawn of the Dead, is it? <laughs> uh, we cut to the mansion. What's, what's the? Is it called the Spencer Mansion in the game? It's called that in the games, and one of the characters is called Spence in this film, so I feel like that's a reference. Mm, a tip of the hat. A little tip of the nod to the a tip of game. the nod. <laughs> nod of the hat. Um, yeah, so I guess that's a reference. I don't think the mansion necessarily gets the name here but mm. uh we cut to an eye which a close-up on uh mila mm. jovovich's eye which, which was the title screen for many resi games wasn't it yeah the first resident evil game in particular but this whole bit in the mansion is is basically old school resident evil and going back to how you were saying you're disappointed i, I could imagine that you were really upset that for the most part it's not set in this mansion. Yeah. With it's like lovely Dutch angles and Yeah, it's a real loneliness. it's a real tease. I mean, mm. Resident Evil games, they start off in one setting and then pretty much have an underground secret lab wherever they go. Mm. So you know that's, stra- that's usually the third act though of the game. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we'll be in the mansion for the first five minutes and then we'll spend all the time in high tech. Uh, underground lab facilities after that point 
if you basically took the mansion stuff from this and then stapled it to the very end of this film, you'd have a solid gold Resident Evil movie. Yeah, it would be 20 minutes long. But <laughs> We're not only introduced to the mansion, we're introduced to Alice for the first time, our central uh, character played by Mila Jovovich. Um, she's lying in the shower with amnesia. And is that does that mean no clothes? <laughs> yes, that's that's what I took amnesia to be. Yeah, she's trying to work out who she is, what's going on. She finds a notepad and mm-hmm. it says, uh, "All your dreams are about to come true." Yeah, she goes through the drawer. She finds the sock drawer, the shirt drawer, and the gun drawer. Yes, <laughs> uh, lots of automatic weapons. So she's like, "What's going on?" <laughs> um, she's you know. there's some clothes on the bed for her and. Um, yeah, she doesn't spend the rest of the film naked. <laughs> no, but you fi- I don't know why I'm mentioning this really, but I, I like her outfit. It seems weirdly iconic. It's Yeah, uh, it's, it's an instant it's colour. It's, yeah. it's got colour, it's got the boots. She she wears a, like a biker jacket again there in the film. I've, I've got a real soft spot for her because of the fifth element. And, you know, there's not any other video game franchise and, and no movie franchise where a female action hero protagonist has lasted so long. And lasted, yeah, 14 years yeah. of, of so, movies. You know, some people like to shit on these films from a great height, but I don't think at any point Mia Jovovich has been... The, an issue. No, she's never been the wheat link. You know, this is definitely, I mean, partially because of the character having memory loss, like finding out who they are, and the character does undergo some changes, and quite literal ones, as mm. well as you know, finding out who they are and stuff, and uh, that gets maybe a little bit run into the ground quite soon, like finding out who she is and what superpowers she has and all this kind of malarkey. But I think in this film, even though you don't really know much about her and she's very much an audience surrogate because she's asking all the questions to everyone else, you sort of feel kind of on her side. Mm. And I think she does a good job here. (laughs) Well, she's going around this mansion thinking, oh, is this my lovely mansion? (laughs) So I'd be, ooh, crikey. Yeah, it's just like, ooh, Ooh. la di da (laughs) When bursting through the windows are not stars, not, was it B-team or A-team in Resident Evil? Like Alpha Bravo team. Alpha Bravo. What, does this group have a name? Swat fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Tough bastards. Tough bastards. Um, Super army soldiers. Well, I guess... I guess they're trying to be... It was Hunk in Resident yeah, Evil Yeah, so 2, like, wasn't there? Yeah, so like in the games Umbrella Corporation... So Umbrella Corporation, they're the, this big pharmaceutical company, but they also do, as it's been, bio weapons and stuff. But like they also, Amazon, I imagine. Yeah, and just like <laughs> Amazon, they have their own tactical military squad force. So yeah, they're basically company employees employed by Umbrella to counteract find out what's happened yeah and they immediately come in and start shouting at me Jovovich. very rude yeah what's going on what's going on no report report report, report. that's yeah that's the, what's that military people say yeah <laughs> so just going what's going on what's going on with her guns pointing in all directions um i think very quickly colin salmon takes his mask off which i found was a kind of a ill-advised thing to do when you're when you're walking into a p- potential viral outbreak 
they explain that oh she Alice has received this nerve gas she's experiencing memory loss mm. so they're aware that there's this defense mechanism in place and he takes off his mask like imagine, instantly yeah, and they, a circle of un- imagine if they all did that it was just like a circle of unconscious soldiers yeah they all just like drop down and she's like well this doesn't explain anything <laughs> <laughs> so yes this tactical squad they're led by one is the name of Colin Salmon's character mm-hmm. he's the leader of the squad and we're also introduced to Rain who is played by Michelle... Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Who is played by Michelle, Michelle Rodriguez. Yes. But yeah, she's, she's, there seems to be... There's always, like, a hard-ass uh, Vasquez from Aliens-type character. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez does a similar sort of thing in Avatar as well. Well, she... speaking, speaking of Aliens and Avatar and all that kind of stuff, um, uh, according to Wikipedia, James Cameron... Mm-hmm. In a Reddit AMA, he was asked, what is it, is his favourite guilty pleasure? And he said, Resident Evil, the first film. It's like a total rip-off. I know, but then he said, but you shouldn't have to defend a guilty pleasure. I just really like that film. Bless. And then later on, he was quite actually positive about Alien vs. Predator. Um, he said it was, at the time, the third best Alien movie out of the five that had yeah. been released at that but time. But then he so. went on to say how, like, Terminator was it Genesis was like the best Terminator film. Yeah, I mean he's not like necessarily I, I think I mean he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need to champion anything he he doesn't genuinely like. Yeah. But I do wonder if there's a degree of like he just doesn't fucking care. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so he'll just say oh, anything. He, he has no taste. <laughs> yeah. Other so we there's a f- couple of more couple of other characters. In fact we completely skipped over the fact that just before soldiers burst into her mansion ruining the french windows which is why <laughs> i imagine she's mostly upset um, <laughs> and, and before she gets a flashbang in the face yeah um i do not know who i am i do not know how much that cost but, but... you're bloody well paying for it <laughs> <laughs> she bumps into uh, a cop he identifies himself as a cop yes matt addison is his name. Do, do they know then? How do we know their names? Do they just look at their IDs, their library cards? Well, I think they, yeah, because he says, I'm a cop, I'm a cop, and mm. he gives them, he gives his ID to mm. the uh, Umbrella oh, Squad. I don't, I don't, we find out later on that this gas was a precautionary measure. It's a defence mechanism. Defense mechanism. It's initiated by the Red Queen. Yeah. Did the cop get gassed? I think the cop might have come in afterwards. Yeah, I guess he must have done. Yeah. I find amnesia... And just flashbacks in general, really lazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I actually love the Bourne identity movies. The, the first three, at least. The fourth one... No, it's like there's been five, hasn't there? Yeah. So, yeah, just the uh, first three are good. But what I'm trying to say is, it seems to me in films with memory loss and amnesia, that people remember stuff at, at convenient points yes. for the script writer. And... They're like, oh, where does Jake need to go next? Well, maybe Jake sees, I don't know, some pills. And then he thinks, oh, the hospital was where this happened to me. And he Mm. goes. And this does the same sort of thing. There are points where I think later on, James Purefoy's character, Spence, does he just sort of suddenly remember he's a bad guy to to kickstart the third act yeah pretty much it's just like well we need to have the bad guy appear somehow so how about we just have him throughout the film but he doesn't know he's the bad guy until it's convenient to do so Mm. so anyway we've got a cop we've got the SWAT team the super army soldiers 
we got um, Alice. Yes. And they quickly go to a hidden door and say bye-de-bye to Resident Evil, the the game that we wanted. Yeah. And they go down to a train station. But we find on the train, Spence, who we mentioned earlier. I always feel like he was... He could have been a James Bond. Um, Yeah, I think they even mentioned that on the DVD commentary. (laughs) Yeah. He's also in uh, Rome, um, Mm -hmm. playing Mark Antony. I liked him in that. I hear, I read once that he refuses to be on Game of Thrones because... He refuses, like, it's a demand. (laughs) No, because, like, him and Kevin McKidd were both on the show Rome, which is fantastic, and a precursor to Game of Thrones, and it got cancelled after a couple of years, and then Game of Thrones became massive, and Kevin McKidd refuses to be on Game of Thrones because it basically stole Rome from them. James Pilfrey, like, agrees with him. (laughs) What about where's Ray Stevenson in this conversation? Oh, I'm sure he's gagging to be in. I mean, he's been in like a couple of Marvel movies playing different characters, so he's up for anything. Um, but um, he's also got amnesia, hasn't he, James Purefoy? Yes. A Spence. And Alice recognises him from mm. a photo that mm. she saw in the mansion of them together she's at got, a wedding. She's got a photographic memory, i.e. she remembered a photo. Yes, exactly. That's how it works. <laughs> That's what a photographic memory means. And she sees that, yes, they got married apparently that they both got wedding rings the wedding ring says property of umbrella corporation which is you know creepy (laughs) i'm sure there are married couples out there with that property of umbrella corporation star rings (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little diamond umbrella or something yeah but they uh take the big ass train down to the hive yes and they basically ask one uh colin salmon what's going on, what's happening, and they set up a ticking clock. They open the door to the hive, and then it's going to automatically close. Yes, within a few hours to seal them in and contain everyone forever, because that's what happens in these kind of disaster scenarios. Why do you think they called it the hive? Uh, Maybe it's where workers are bees are. Well, because you have the Red Queen, and I guess you have a Queen Bee... So do you think they came up with the Grid Queen first and then did the Hive, or vice versa? (laughs) We might as well call it the Bee uh, Queen. Well, so the Red Queen plays into the Alice in Wonderland parallels. I just remember that's why she's called Alice. So we have Alice. I mean, these are kind of more like touchstones rather than necessarily reflecting the plot of Alice in Wonderland. James Purefoy had a massive top hat. (laughs) So the Alice in Wonderland parallels are less plot-based, more just cute references. So you have a main character called Alice. She goes down to the subterranean world, I guess, like through a rabbit hole. I can imagine somebody asking Paul W.S. Anderson, so, so why all the um, Alice in Wonderland references? And you just pause for a moment and go like, because it's smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he probably thinks it's smart. <laughs> You have later on, um, you see like a white rabbit being injected with T virus and no zombie rabbit could have had a Monty Python style Holy Grail rabbit attack, which would have been (laughs) pretty amazing. Yeah, that's true. So you have the Red Queen, who's like the Queen of Hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, Later on, she's demanding that someone gets decapitated. So it's like off with their heads is very much part of that. So there's these little cute touchstones you could say there's maybe more Alice in Wonderland references than Resident Evil ones Mm. but they're just there to create an extra literary layer to proceedings which 
probably isn't very much justified, but cute nonetheless, I suppose. Mm. But they explain that Red Queen has gone homicidal, and they go into a little bit of background that they have to basically shut down Red Queen, mm. and then try and reboot the system. I would have put a plug at the front door, <laughs> so they could just sort of do yeah. it from there. <laughs> yeah, sure, just done it in the mansion or something. Mm. Though I guess... If someone wanted to put their phone charger in, they might have accidentally unplugged the Red Queen. <laughs> yeah, trapped everyone in there forever anyway. Oh, shucks. So they do a bit of exploration of the labs, don't we? Yeah, and, and um, it, it dawns on the team, because they go into this one container room and they say, that's weird, this says on our map dining hall. Mm-hmm. And they sort of, I guess, umbrella were hiding secrets even from this kind of military squad and they're looking at all this stuff on their wrist computers, mm. which must have seemed very high tech. But, you know, you and I, we have our wrist computers. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my wrist computer yeah, right this now. Is we're recording our podcast. Yeah, you're listening to this podcast on your wrist computer. Yeah, it must be. But yeah, it's, again, fairly sinister, spooky, this bit. There's like big glass laboratories now filled with water and it's kind of all murky and brown. We still fucking walk through it because there's there's water drops squirting out everywhere and rain goes right through it and i'm just like wouldn't do that if i were you <laughs> it's like dirty mucky water mucky water you see uh, we see our first zombie proper oh yeah so a floaty a floaty lady <laughs> floats she bobs around a bit and yeah. then waits up yeah her eyes no one's looking open. but they eventually get to a corridor the one of the first images shown of the film to to the public was Miljovic holding a gun in this corridor, and this this it's got it's got glass walls, but the fluorescent lights all around, and you know even though this isn't a celebrated film franchise really, I feel this corridor is fairly iconic. I feel it, sh- it shows up in a bunch of the other films, and it shows up in the game and. Yeah, they... Resident Evil Four. You you suddenly arrive in a corridor and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> I think Colin Salmon and uh, two of the other soldiers are trapped inside this corridor, and lasers um, start going up the corridor in in various degrees of difficulty. What what's the name of the um the one surviving soldier at the end of all this? Is it Kaplan? Kaplan. He's not terribly good under pressure. He's at, the very, at the very least, he's not very good when somebody's shouting in his ear saying, open, open it now, open it. He didn't know there were going to be lasers. I know, geez. But sadly, much in the same way as what happens to people in the film Cube, they get sliced and diced. And there's a cute little bit of uh, beheading. <laughs> The medic. The medic, her. her head slides off, which is kind of nice. A bit fake looking, but... And then Colin Samron gets absolutely diced. And we see him to go into basically OXO cubes. <laughs> yeah, we see him get chunked in the <laughs> Ch- sort of, chunky salmon, in the sort of reflection. And we see Miljovic's <laughs> horrified <laughs> reaction. <laughs> yeah, like it, it definitely feels like cube, but... I mean, I'm sure Anderson would say an homage, but is it an a, is it a tribute if no one knows no, the it's film? It's not a very well known film. Cube. I feel yeah, he would say, oh, it's a reference, and but I feel like now people will more people will have seen Resident Evil than Cube, so yeah. it feels a little bit like rip off to me. It's a kind of a, it is a tense scene. It's like a nightmare. You you think there's going to be some way. You do think that somehow 
Colin Sam's going to get out, but it's all for naught. Mm. And then there's a nice little bit of fun where our survivors have to go down the corridor knowing what's just happened. And uh, Kaplan's like, it's definitely okay. It's <laughs> like, really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, regardless, it is an effective scene. It's It's chaotic and gruesome one of the better orchestrated and yeah as you say iconic uh, moments in the movie Chaplin was just here to do it <laughs> he didn't know there'd be death lasers mm. i mean it's not like you get your it department it's like uh yeah i've got a problem with my machine it's shooting lasers <laughs> at everyone and slicing people up have you turned it off and on again which is what their plan is <laughs> exactly it? what their plan is so the plan is to use some sort of... Is it like a EMP bomb or something? And to stop them from doing this, the Red Queen produces like a little CGI little girl, which is not in the least bit disturbing. A holographic representation modelled after the head programmer's daughter. Yes, you do. Um, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure built into every copy of Windows 95 or whatever, there was uh, a representation of uh, Bill Gates' uh, children... What, clip it? <laughs> yes, my daughter, clip it. My weird, mangled metal child. <laughs> and it's meant, the Red Queen is meant to tell them not to turn her off and on again. And I could tell that the voice, the little red hologram voice actress, was played by an actual little girl because she struggled with the big words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they ignore her. They, sh- they use the old uh, EMP bomb thing and that causes shit to get real turning off the red queen does open doors to allow zombies into the dining hall then the first zombie gets shot up a bit by rain after rain gets bitten yes took a chunk right out of me she says and they try shooting her and it's like why is she still standing mm. she's like a zo- undead person yeah uh, <laughs> So everyone knows you kill a zombie by shooting it in the head, but they shoot it all over the body instead until it flies back in some pipes. And then they're distracted for a moment and then the zombie's gone. And again, we we're talking about brain dead zombies earlier. It's like, you can't do that. You can't have zombies sneaking away. <laughs> they know stealth. No, they go towards you unendingly, even, you know, jeez. JD, we got a survivor. It's okay, we're here to help. You seem to be in some sort of... Get off of me! Get off of me! JD, get off of me before I stab her ass! You okay? She, she beat me, man. She took a chunk clean right out of me. Stay down. I'm warning you, stay down! She's crazy. I'm any closer, not fire. I mean it! Bitch isn't standing now. But then there's a big 
I'm going to say it's an action sequence um, where all the zombies are coming and they're firing guns everywhere and then there's like more metal music. It just reminds me of Alone in the Dark again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is it? With like industrial... For the big zombie onslaught sequence, it's not very interesting. There's yeah. a bit where a zombie catches fire, but even that's not very exciting. But how do they escape this situation? Well, they pretty much just split up. And mm-hmm. run away. So some of the squad retreat to the Red Queen chamber. Alice encounters the zombie dogs. Oh, yes. She finds the kennels where they were keeping the hounds. And um, in close-ups, the zombie dogs don't look so bad. They've kind of got eyes popping out and, mm. and exposed gums. But from a distance, they look like they're just covered in ketchup. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of effective when she walks into that room and you hear just the clip-clopping mm. of the paws on the metal and the dog just sort of walks around the corner mm. and it's just like, hello. Oh, but, but <laughs> I, I think, um, doesn't she fight another zombie before the zombie dogs? No, she gets chased into the room, because mm, and just, the security guard zombie. That's what the one of the the. Because she dog karate handler. she karate kicks him to death, and I was like, "Can you karate kick a zombie?" If you karate kick them into into the brain. Yeah, I was going to say karate kick them into a shelving unit. <laughs> yes, it was like a, a breakable glass shelving unit. Mm. It's she fights the she runs away from these zombie dogs, and she does this quite cool little. How to describe it, Rory? It's a. She runs up the wall into a corner, jumps back around, and kicks a dog in the face. (laughs) Yeah. But no, she's a skilled fighter, that's the thing. Yeah, she kind of does all this stuff and realizes, I know Kung Fu. Mm. Yeah, so this stuff is like making her flash back. So she realizes that she and Spence were employed by Umbrella to basically protect the entrance to the hive. But despite that, she was working to sell information about Umbrella to bring them down, to mm. sell, to uh, get research out to a secret contact. And that contact was, um, she was called Lisa. Yes. Wasn't she? And she was one of the people we saw die at the start in the yep. office. And she's also the sister of the cop. Yes, she is the sister of Matt, who is... Uh, now meets up again with Alice and they encounter zombie Lisa, mm. uh, which who Alice quickly brains with a paperweight. <laughs> yeah, Matt explains that him and the now deceased Lisa were trying to infiltrate Umbrella. He's not really a cop. Mm. I think it was just like a front <laughs> to try and, uh, you know... Alice was like, you were impersonating a police officer? <laughs> Wow, I should report you to the The real police. police. There seems to be a perennial question of many genre films of this nature. Why why are zombies useful? Um, Spencer's ultimate aim and and, and all this stuff is about he could sell these bioweapons to the highest bidder. What use is making to people zombies? (laughs) Well, I think it's more chemical warfare. It's not about I'm going to infect my people or something and then say, hey, zombies, attack that guy. No, no. It's, it's more it's, about you sending... You use it on your enemy. Yeah, you use it on your enemy to cause chaos in their, the local populace. But you've turned 
If I wanted to attack a city or invade a city or whatever, you've turned every man, woman and child into a deadly weapon. Yeah. So it seems like you're... It's like when in Jurassic Park or Aliens or whatever, when they say, I'm going to use these creatures to decimate my enemies. But then you've just got fucking really dangerous monsters in the place of the enemy. So I never really understand this logic. And believe me, you, me, the Umbrella Corporation's business practices come get further and further into question as these, these games and films go along. For a I mean, game on... franchise that spends a lot of its time trying to reveal backstory and even creating prequels to other installments with Resident Evil Zero being released after Resident Evil, it's sure as hell muddies the details and fudges all the information and and stuff about how and why any of these outbreaks actually happened. I mean, are are zombies the desired effect? Because I feel sometimes this series skirts towards trying to create a cure for for, for death or something, and it's like a it's a immortality thing, really. But it's definitely positioned as an ultimate weapon type situation. Basically, um, Alice and Matt return to the Red Queen chamber and regroup. Um, and They load up the readme file in the exposition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They check the walkthrough mm. and say, oh, I have to head back to the Red Queen chamber. I guess, I guess we've got to do that. We had our little action and story sequences. We now got to team up with everyone else. Mm. They decide to reboot the Red Queen because that's the only way they could possibly get out. And find out more information. And the Red Queen kind of explains a little bit about the zombies, the research, and the military application. And She mentions how the zombies are motivated by the basic instinct, the need to feed. And the yep. Oh, need for speed. Yeah, need for feed. <laughs> need for feed would have been a good movie. Be uh, the name of my biopic. <laughs> <laughs> Needs to feed. Needs to feed. Yeah, so she explains what zombies are. <laughs> yeah, we know what a zombie is. They basically threaten her, like saying, if you don't let help us, then we'll uh, fry your brains. We'll fry the Red Queen and, and you know, you'll cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gives them a route out through some utility tunnels, but she helping them sort of not really because mm. I don't think she knows what she's talking about because she does mention because she's just a little girl well she mentions at one point how um, when talking about zombies and death she says uh, hair and fingernails continue to grow after death but that's a myth I googled that and it's just the skin drying up and and receding away from the hair follicles and uh, fingernails so I think the Red Queen's not very smart. She's a supercomputer, not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the utility tunnel escape, it's weird. It's not especially great, but I think the mm. image of our heroes having to go up into the pipes and there's a sea of zombies beneath them reaching up, you know, they, they've um, stuffed that corridor full of zombies. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's a proper... It's the it's the classic of the floor is lava when you're <laughs> yeah. playing on the sofa. The floor is zombies. The floor is zombies. Um, immediately being t- after being told by the Red Queen that a single bite of scratch can turn you into a zombie, I think Alice jumps and attacks a zombie with her thighs. <laughs> <laughs> um, she grabs... She, Very bold. She grabs the zombie head with her legs with her thighs and and does a twist and breaks the neck of the zombie and thought crikey yeah <laughs> gosh very um, bold but like by this point rain has been bitten maybe four times a whole heap of times 
Yeah, so she's already being told that make it rain. She's gonna, <laughs> she's gonna die because the Red Queen has said one bite, one scratch mm. is sufficient. So she knows she's at death's door anyway. But you know the zombies rub it in. I guess it's kind of like the games because you can get bit- bitten repeatedly by zombies and have no ill effects as long as you use a magical herb yeah. to, to heal you by wounds. I would have loved to see a sequence where Michelle Rodriguez snarfles a potted plant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just starts you never, chewing. You never her. know. It's like, oh. no, that's a red herb. You need a green one to combine mm. it for the effects. It's useless on its own. Yeah, I guess it's funny. Just thinking back to what we were hoping for for this movie. It wasn't that. No, no, I say it was. I felt there's all sorts of bullshit. I bet you and I definitely had a conversation where we were like, do you think they have herb mixing and item management? Yes. (laughs) And collecting ribbons for typewriters. But yeah, this is a pretty good sequence. Does anyone kick the bucket in this bit? Well, Kaplan gets bitten and And split up from the group. And then he decides to say you go i've got one bullet left and we're assuming he's gonna kill himself but he, he just shoots a zombie in the head and then there's definitely a way out he t- he can take yeah i guess he thinks that his goose is cooked though because he's been bitten and at this point they don't know about any cure yeah it's um, only in the next scene where alice has a convenient flashback mm. that she remembers oh wait blue was t-virus green was t-virus uh remedy mm. um it must be in this lab I mean, the games themselves, I don't think, ever touch upon a T-virus cure. Even though the player, as you said, can heal themselves from zombie bites. Yeah, but um, do do any of the later films even? I don't think so. Spence gets a flashback as well. And he remembers all he did. He He was the one who wrote the message, Today is the day your dreams come true. And I did actually check. His handwriting doesn't match the handwriting of... What was on the paper at the start of the film. Yes. Which wouldn't be a problem if they didn't make a point of Mila Jovovich writing the message to check her own handwriting. Yeah, it really shines a light on uh, what should have been insignificant. Mm. But they they point that out in the commentary. They yeah. actually sort of like say, oh, Didn't look, give a fuck. Continuity error. <laughs> it could have just got James to write it. But no. No, no, just didn't do it, didn't do it. But I think the reason why Spence maybe has this flashback here is because this is where he, as is revealed in his flashback, stole the T-virus mm. and the T-virus remedy mm. uh, and unleashed the outbreak himself. So mm. he was the person at the start of the film. So he tries, he decides to like, okay, I'm the baddie now, so... <laughs> People, you know, certain amnesiac characters, in the course of them learning who they were, discover they don't want to be that person. Spencer's like, "Oh, I'm totally want to be that person." Yeah, and but I think it's different actually because he, I think he just remembers who he is rather than he remembers what he did. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I read you, and that's why he's trying to get Alice back on side because mm, like, Mila Jovovich had already decided to betray Umbrella. Yeah, and he's like, no, we can still like get out with the virus. I've, I've, I remember I stashed it on the train because that's where you found me, and I was trying to make my escape before the nerve gas hit and wiped my memory. So I need to go back to the train, get the remedy, mm. um, and you can join me, and we can make millions and sell it on the black market. And she's like, nah, I'm good. He doesn't seem the least bit worried that this uh, virus can cause like the apocalypse, and he's just going to make loads of money and live on Spence Island. Yeah, exactly. 
Is this in the same room which is sort of half filled with water? Yeah. A lot of shit goes down in this bit because we, we see one zombie appear with like quite an arresting image of like water reflections on her as well. Well, this this water zombie, uh, what did we call them in House of the Dead? Flombies? Flombies, floating zombies, swimbies. Swimbies? I can't remember. But yes, this uh, aquatic zombie... Mer-zombie. Mer-zombie. Bites Spence Mm -hmm. on the neck and he's like, ah, shit! (laughs) And then it doesn't matter because I'm going to get the uh, antivirus Mm. anyway. So he escapes, traps them in the lab and uh, makes uh, a getaway. But... He gets to the train, he injects himself with the antivirus, but... No, he. here's the thing, he's just about uh... to, and then he doesn't, because he hears a noise, and I was like, I'll just do it, and then look at where the noise is coming from. But he looks above, and lo and behold, the liquor monster, which had been released by the Red Queen earlier in the film, appears and attacks him, and he gets quite a nice bloody death. I thought, rare bit of grew yeah yeah he's definitely um the the bloodiest casualty of mm. the film we see him I later think. on as a zombie and he's got blood everywhere he probably looks... the best zombie in the film yeah. probably the best zombie performance in the film that's what mm. happens when you hire a proper actor to play <laughs> yeah, a zombie actor. stage and screen a walk the boards in <laughs> the dramatization of george L. romero's dawn of the dead <laughs> the musical the, the musical <laughs> Yeah, and the liquor mutates into an even bigger monster. Just so there could be a bigger monster at the end. Yeah, I mean, they say, oh, now that it's had fresh DNA, as the Red Queen explains, because the Red Queen is showing this on CCTV to the rest of the survivors. And again, if you release this monster into a populated enemy area... What you'd have to deal with, like, you'd have to nuke the place to just have a really, really big liquor monster. After all that fresh DNA. What the fuck is that? One of the hive's early experiments, produced by injecting the T-virus directly into living tissue. The results were unstable. Now that it has fed on fresh DNA, it will mutate. (laughs) Becoming a stronger, Faster hunter. Great. If you knew it was loose, why didn't you warn us? Because she was saving it. For us. Isn't that right? I didn't think any of you would make it this far. Not without infection. Why didn't you tell us about the antivirus? This long after infection, there's no guarantee it would work. But there's a chance. Right. I don't deal in chance. We the next bit though is I felt really kind of kind of tense where the Red Queen says, I will let you get out, but only if you kill Rain, who I detect is infected. And that's a proper little moment where Alice has the axe and is holding it over um Rain's head and Rain's like, just do it. Um, I've been bitten loads of times. <laughs> but the but the antivirus is just there. It's just through that door. And the Red Queen is like, there's no guarantee their antivirus is going to work because you're too far gone. 
Alice decides to destroy the just a, a telly. Yeah, she just like <laughs> I've had enough of this and just smacks it into Sorry, a monitor. I was meant to get your head rain, but you look so much like this here telly screen. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna save you. I'm gonna save you." And all the while this is happening, I think the liquor has made it to the outside of the lab and is trying to get in. Is it Kaplan? Kaplan. Has survived. Has made survived. it this far. He's made it through an alternative utility tunnel. They pick up old uh, Rain. Michelle Rodriguez does a very good close-to-death face. She looked proper fucked. Yeah, she doesn't look well. But they manage to stagger... How? You know what? How did, how, how did they avoid the liquor? I think the liquor bursts in, and then they go through a metal door. Yeah, so Kaplan lets them out and then they close the door on the liquor just in the nick of time. Nick of time. They make it to the train. They administer the antidote to Rain in the hope it's going to work. And then they activate the train and they head back and everything is fine. Happy ending. The next five films are just Mm. them enjoying their antivirus lives. Reminiscing. (laughs) Going to Pizza Hut. No, we tell Fibs because actually we're going up the train and then the liquor is there. Yeah. Instantly kills Kaplan, who was kind of like a major character, but... Yeah, he um, gets unceremoniously just... Not even eaten, he just gets like thrown off the thrown train. Off the train. Yeah. Throw Kaplan off the train. He could still be alive. Probably not, though. <laughs> Probably not by the end of the film. I feel like he, he could have had a better death, but anyway, he's thrown off the train. We've got three guys left. The, the cop is not a cop. Rain. Rain, who may or may not be a zombie yet, and Alice. And this felt like very resonant evilly. There's always there's always a bit where I remember specifically the lifts in Resident Evil 2 when you're going down to the main lab and there's this big old platform and you're being attacked by I think William Birkin, who's like a scientist who's mutated himself. He thought it looked really good with a giant eyeball poking out of his shoulder. <laughs> so that felt, this bit felt very reminiscent of Resi. Yeah, there's there's a few times in the series where you're in an enclosed space with a giant melty monster mutant is very unpleasant and trying to kill you. It's very unpleasant. <laughs> so uh, while this isn't much like the liquor as exists in the games, it's Resident Evil games end with a big old monster mash fight and they dispatch the beast by um, plunging a pipe into its tongue. A convenient like pile of pipes as well is utilised. Yeah, just, you know, got to have a big bunch of pipes on a train. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so they stab the liquor's tongue into some grating and then they shove, they shove the liquor with those pipes and then they open a door. How do in, they open the door? In the ground. Well, they open it via dead rain because sadly rain has turned into a zombie or for a joke she decides to pretend to be a zombie um but (laughs) funny joke (laughs) 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 jokes on her just she gets a bullet in the head so she she ends she attacks is it matt yeah she attacks matt but matt shoots her in the head she falls backwards, hits a button. Is which... that is that like sort of the pointless bullet time, which we like to use? No, the pointless bullet time is earlier on because, like, oh, it goes through the brain of the liquor, doesn't it? Yeah, but does nothing. It's very ineffectual. Oh, kind of pointless then, like the actual special effect. Yep. Um, redundant, but redundant evil. <laughs> so Rain's dead body, fully dead now. 
<laughs> yeah, not undead. Um, hits the button which opens the door, and the door at the on the ground opens up, and the liquor falls onto the tracks, and kind of a nice grisly death. It's like flaming dead. Doesn't seem terribly comfortable. <laughs> yeah, just sort of gets dragged, and the friction on the train tracks below ignites it into a big old fireball. Mm. They uh, close up the trap door, snap off the tongue. But maybe job done. Well, you know, I would be worried that it didn't fully kill the liquor. But what do I know about liquors? Well, and fire? I mean, they're not going to stop the train, go back and give it a check if it's dead. Poke with a pipe. They get to the mansion. Finally, we are reunited with the mansion. Yeah, with seconds to go. It would have been awfully annoying if they were like two seconds late, one second late, and then the door closes and they'd be like, oh shit. Mm. I shouldn't have stopped at that haircut. <laughs> one of the last things, bits of dialogue in this film is somebody saying, I want to open the hive and see what happened. So that seemed stupid. Just watch redundant. the movie. Um, indeed. Rent Resident Evil now on That's DVD it. and Blu-ray. Matt and Alice um, arrive at the mansion and uh, Matt's been injured by the liquor and all sorts of funny shit starts to happen happen on his scratches and suddenly bursting through the door are more people in hazmat suits. Again, this is where somebody says, I want to have Matt for the Nemesis programme, which gets us all excited for the sequel. Mm. Um, well, yes, they capture Alice. Mm. Uh, they she... split up Matt. She's streaming, Matt, she gets captured. And then we hear a voice saying, check if she's infected and reopen the hive. I want to know what happened down there. Mm. And who is that person is saying that, that? Jason Isaacs? Yes. Hello to Jason Isaacs. Yes. Well, I, I actually didn't realise it was him speaking, but I did see his... I recognise his eyes. Yes. He's Do very... you see his face? No, you just see his very distinctive eyes and he's wearing a face mask. Mm-hmm. And he also did the narration at the start of the movie as oh, well. Okay. And he seems to be credited as William Birkin. Well, he's not in the credits for the film, but mm. people just say, oh, William Birkin. And that's who he was intended, I suppose, to play. William Birkin as kind of the mad scientist main villain, I suppose, of Resident Evil 2. But in tribute to Jason Isaacs, not featuring in any of the other films because I think he was on Harry Potter detail most of the time. Mm-hmm. He had to choose Harry Potter or Resident or Evil. Evil and he regrets it to this day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the character portrayed by Ian Glenn in future installments is called Dr. Isaacs oh. as tribute to Jason. That's why I probably get the two guys confused so often. Ian Glenn my, and Jason Isaacs. Yeah, my deep love for Resident Evil. <laughs> so we uh, arrive in a hospital in a scene quite similar to, to many other zombie media, uh, our hero wakes up and doesn't know where they are in a, in a hostable. <laughs> Again, just like the start of the film, we see close up of her eye mm-hmm. and she is naked. Mm-hmm. Again, save for two sheets of paper. Yep. Is it fairly... Is it exploitative? I don't know. There's a vulnerability... Yeah, I mean, I think she gets increasingly less naked as the film franchise goes on, mm. because probably it was said, like, okay, Paul, enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the box, it says the sex and nudity is infrequent and mild. I don't um, know. I, I wouldn't say the nudity is mild. She, I mean, the she has horrible wires right into her skull, and that's 
really painful looking and sounding as she screams and pulls them out. She really sells the... The pain of it, yeah. yeah. But she manages to get out using some of the wire, like metal, which was inside her. She she un, she picks the lock. There's, there's some... Um, what is it? Some mirror glass, some one-way glass, and we were behind this glass seeing her looking out, and that's a kind of a nightmarish image as well, where she's like completely isolated and alone, and, and a figure walks past her as well, and like, woo. But she gets out of the hospital, and it's chaos outside. Mm. And the classic post uh, newspaper headline, The Dead Walk, is there. This is the bit where you see Raccoon City police cars yep and you see stars police cars logos in the on the newspaper it says stars prepares major assault Mm. as of as reference there i think the newspaper is dated september 24th 2002 and like the events of the games take place in september 24th or thereabouts at least in raccoon city so Mm. it's like stuffed with little Nods. references there's mm. a cute little bus ad in the background which says like an um, uh, uh at umbrella medical we try to make teddy a little softer i'm not sure mm. what that means <laughs> but it's just selling the idea of raccoon city it's tying all these things together it's basically everything you kind of wanted in a resident evil movie but mm. they've just like squished it all in like a minute it's at like the end the best minute of the film and that last shot where the camera's pulling away is just... I just think it's a great ending. That shot, I think, is a great cliffhanger. And, you know, if if there were no more Resident Evil films, that still would have been kind of like a kind of a cool ending. Yeah, like... Why would you stand there, though, for that length of time? (laughs) Well, I don't know. She's cocked her shotgun. She's ready for action. Mm. But it's... uh... It wouldn't be a cool shot if she was like running around screaming. She's <laughs> 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 going, oh, what's going on? <laughs> nah, she's ready for business. The camera pulls away. We see her in the distance. We see all the chaos. We see blood running down one of the buildings. And then we cut to really bad music. <laughs> Slipknot, Harry. Oh, dear. Sorry, Slipknot it's fans. It's Slipknot. <laughs> it's Slipknot. I'll have, you, I'll have you know heavy rock music i sound like such an old man i like such rock a fuddy duddy yeah i just i, don't I know. think it's very much of the it time it seems very american <laughs> um when it's a japanese video game franchise directed th- by a brit in germany in germany of all places <laughs> that's resident evil Ooh. having uh re-watched it how long ago was this film 2000 2002 2002 Quite some time removed. Yeah. Because I don't want to do the maths. <laughs> 16 years. 16 years. Um, what do you feel now about this inaugural Resident Evil movie? I don't think I've seen this since at least the last movie, the final chapter, came out. So I can kind of uh, see how it is compared to the whole of the franchise and and you know, where it sits within that. I think this is still probably, as much as I didn't really care for it at the time, with subsequent films, my appreciation of the original has grown. (laughs) Oh dear. There is certainly stuff in later instalments that I enjoy a lot more, and there's certainly more stuff in future instalments which are closer to the original games. But this is probably the most consistent 
of the films. Maybe, you know, it feels weirdly small looking at this film, considering how, in comparison, an overblown later instalments get. Mm. This is quite, you know, literally contained. It's a smaller story with fewer characters, and maybe that means it's not quite as exciting or as bonkers as other uh, instalments get. But I feel like I've come to terms with it a bit more. I appreciate what it's trying to do a bit more, and I think it's more successful at that than I would originally have given it credit. That said, I don't think it's great. Mm. I feel like it has successful moments, but it feels quite spotty in its plotting. It feels a little bit having to paper over cracks in terms of getting characters to certain locations and getting rid of characters and lots of little subplots and flashbacks. And, you know, I feel like that's a bit of a sloppy, lazy structure to it. But I appreciate how comparatively pared down uh, it is. And I think it's all right... Mm. So do you think this is your favourite Resident Evil movie? Just, I mean, again, we've got many more movies to come, but do you, are you, is there one you're looking forward to more? I'm looking forward to kind of revisiting them because I feel like at a certain point they start gelling into one mm. thing because I think the first few films have are very distinct and then the last few films, um, once Paul uh, W.S. Anderson returns to the Resident Evil franchise in the director's chair, they become their own sort of unit, and it's it's very hard to kind of differentiate between the last few movies, mm. at least in my memory. So I'm not sure if there's one particular film I enjoy more. I'm looking forward to revisiting Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is the next one, um, because that definitely goes all in with trying to be more like the games, mm. and maybe in trying to do so, at least as my memory serves, it sort of makes me appreciate the fact that the first film didn't attempt that. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember seeing the sequel with some people who didn't give two shits about the video games, mm. so it was very bizarre. I appreciate this one feels most like it's trying to be a proper film. Um, yes. The other films are quite set PC. This one, you know, is trying to be an Aliens movie. Um, it's not trying to be a Resident Evil movie so much. But, yeah, it does feel like like a proper film, more than many of the video game movies that we, we, we've covered. But, yeah, I, I can't help but shake the feeling of what could have been. I would just give this maybe a mild, mild thumbs up because I have I have watched it a bunch of times. Mm. And it's like it is it does pass the time and it's watchable and um and I think it has a mood. I think it has a tone. Yeah, I think it feels like a solid picture. If you have any interest in video game movies, it's kind of a must see, mm. you know, because of the impact. But I think the original film in of itself is an interesting work it'd be interesting you are right if there's, there's there might be it'd be interesting to go for them all i feel that i had more fun watching some of the later films even sure. though they are definitely not as good, well made <laughs> as this one so it sounds like we're kind of 
mildly recommending uh, Resident Evil. You know, we are both fans of the franchise and, um, you know, that's if you're if you love a franchise, you stay with it through thick and thin, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I sort of it is my my gift, my curse. Right. So what is the next film that we're going to tackle? Well, we are going to return to a franchise which, again, has many, many iterations. Many more entries in Resident Evil. So we're going to return to the Pokemon world (gasps) in anticipation of Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu. Uh, So we're going to tackle the next Pokemon movie, Pokemon 2000. When was that released? Um, 1952. <laughs> is it just called Pokemon the Movie 2000? I think so. I imagine the Japanese title is something else. Right. Well, I we I think we ended up really enjoying uh the. Well, I enjoyed the first movie. I remember. Yeah, I liked it more than I thought I was yeah, going to so the second time. In the meantime, though, how can people uh, catch up with games and film? Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gamesonfilmpod, twitter.com slash gamesonfilmpod. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash gamesonfilmpod, and wherever you listen to podcasts, I presume. You can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com, and we also have our individual Twitter handles. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was by David Lightfoot. So that's us wrapping up our horror focus for a little bit, though I'm sure we'll be returning to um, the domain of fearful video game movies at some point soon. Yeah. Um, but I hope you have a lovely, scary, spooky, happy Halloween. Uh, I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.